0: Terms and
1: conditions apply. This is the best of OutKick, the coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio.
3: Week nine of the NFL schedule off and running with the Buffalo Bills, despite the fact that they were five and two, playing against the Jets and getting their ass kicked. And yesterday when I finished off the show, I was telling everybody out there, I don't believe in the Buffalo Bills. I don't believe in Tyrod Taylor. I don't think even if they make the playoffs that they're capable of making a run or even really winning a playoff game. And then what happens? The Bills go out and end up down 34-7 to against the woeful New York Jets. Nice win for the Jets, who are now 4-5. and Everybody was talking about before the season, how they could be one of the worst teams to ever exist in the history of the NFL. And instead, they're nearly 500. as we come up on the final seven weeks of the season for the Jets. The Bills fall to 5-3, and three, finally catch up with the fact that they are having not a positive turnover day. They've been outgained yardage-wise much of this season. I think they will now fade into oblivion in many ways. The biggest news, even though there was an actual game going on, came out of Houston where the people in the city of Houston could not even enjoy a full day to celebrate their new World Series title without Deshaun Watson tearing his ACL in the other knee from the one that he already tore his ACL in in college. So he is now living with two torn ACLs. This one will end his season. And uh, according to Jeff Schwartz, who comes on regularly and talked to several people, around uh, that situation. It was just him reading, uh, running a read option, totally non-contact of an issue of an injury. And so as a result, on the exact same day that the Indianapolis Colts continued the mysterious medical diagnoses and reporting on Andrew Luck, who will now miss the entire season, initially it was just he was going to miss the preseason, and it was just going to miss a few games. Well, now he's out for the entire season. Also, Deshaun Watson is out for the entire season. Uh, Tom Savage back up and running now as the starter for the Houston Texans, who sit at 3-4 and and host the Indianapolis Colts this weekend in Houston. Almost immediately, and we'll talk about this a little bit with my guy John Campbell at the bottom of the hour here from Odd Shark, almost immediately there is a substantial reaction in the overall odds market. The Houston Texans uh, were 13.5-point favorites, I believe, over the Indianapolis Colts. They dropped that six points, and so now they are favored six and a half points by around a touchdown in that game against the Colts. That's how much difference Vegas attributes to Deshaun Watson and Tom Savage based on what they have seen of Deshaun Watson as a starting quarterback for the Houston Texans. Meanwhile, uh, I also, now that we are beginning the ninth week, put together a flow chart here of what the playoffs would look like, because there's seven weeks uh, as as we begin the ninth week of the NFL season. There are lots of obvious games to be played, but we're also starting to get some semblance of an idea what the playoffs might look like. And to me, that's also a function of just pick who the quarterback is. And that will tell you who is likely to be able to advance in the NFL playoffs. So I thought maybe as a fun little exercise, we could start doing this weekly as, uh, as we look at the playoffs. It's not too early, I don't think, to kind of start to think about who would be the overall number one seed, who's the two, who gets the buys, all those things. So uh, I, I put this, uh, this flow chart together. I'm curious if you guys agree with me of who exactly is in the playoffs and what it should look like. But before we do that, I believe the guys were telling me that Richie Incognito went off on Thursday Night Football, and I think we have audio of that. The Bills will lose, and then Richie Incognito, one of their offensive linemen, is uh, teeing off on the idea that that Thursday Night Football even exists. Guys, do we have that audio? You know, it's
0: tough, man. These Thursday Night games, they suck. They throw a a wrench in our schedule. It's... uh... It's uh, it's absolutely ridiculous that uh, we have to do this. Um, as physical as this game is, and as as much work and preparation that that goes into this to, to force us to play games on four day weeks, it's it's completely unfair. And uh, and you know whatever the league makes money off of it, and uh, that's all they care about anyway. So we uh, we just keep trucking. I mean we got a tough group of guys in this locker room, and uh, back to the drawing board, back to Buffalo, and uh, got the Saints.
3: What's interesting about this is I agree with him on some level here. I think that what the NFL should do is add a couple of extra bye weeks. To me, that's the easy solution here to make this make more sense is when you play on Thursday, you get a bye week the week before you play on Thursday. I think that would increase the overall quality of the game. I don't know why the NFL is so opposed to adding in extra bye weeks. It seems like the overall health of players would be helped substantially if there were a couple of extra bye weeks where guys could recover from the physical uh, ails that uh, that come from playing a full season. So I don't know why, for instance, you couldn't get a bye week every five weeks, let's say. In a 16-week season, I don't know why you couldn't go five weeks, week off, five weeks, week off. You know, kind of set it up roughly so that would be the situation. And if you're going to play a Thursday night game, both teams are coming off of a bye week the week before the uh, the Thursday night game. So they have extra time to get ready. And then if you play a Thursday night game, you would have extra days to get ready for your next Sunday game. It seems like that would be a no-brainer. I also don't understand why the NFL wouldn't be happy to extend what is now a 17-week reg- regular season and make it a 19- or a 20-week regular season. I, I don't think very many fans out there would be opposed to that. And I you, know, you could lengthen the end of the season so that and i've been making this argument for a while so that the nfl season goes all the way until super bowl sunday is always the monday su- the sunday before the monday holiday for presidents day that's always seemed like a perfect uh, to make perfect sense to me so uh, a lot of you would get super bowl monday off and that kind of wraps the nfl even more in the national flag and everything else kind of associated with the branding there That's my brilliant idea. I don't know why it's not discussed more for both the players and the owners. I think it would be beneficial. Uh, I think more bye weeks are always better. I think the players will have it healthier. And I think it would make the quality of play on Thursday night better. But maybe that's just pure insanity. I don't know. That's my idea anyway. Okay, this is what the NFL's playoff picture would look like right now. This is what it would look like in the AFC your one seed would be the Pittsburgh Steelers. Your two seed would be the Kansas City Chiefs. Your three would be the New England Patriots. So, sorry, the Steelers and Kansas City, the Steelers and the Chiefs would have the bye week. So they would get to sit back and watch wild card weekend happen. Then New England would host Jacksonville, and the Titans would host the Bills. That would be your six team AFC playoffs. Now, the teams that are just kind of on the periphery and looking and hoping to be able to make it in uh, Miami right now is a seven seed. Baltimore's an eight seed. And the Jets, even with the losing record, would be the nine seed. The Houston Texans and the Cincinnati uh, Bengals and the Denver Broncos are all in the 12 slot with three and four records. Okay, that kind of puts it into perspective. In the AFC, if you remember last year, I told you all you needed to know was look at who the better quarterback was, and you could figure out who was going to win virtually every playoff game without even looking at the rest of the roster. So let's do the AFC first here. The Titans would host the Bills. Marcus Mariota, assuming he is healthy, is better than Tyrod Taylor. He would be playing at home. The Titans would win that game. New England is playing Jacksonville. Clearly, Tom Brady is better than Blake Bortles. New England would win that game. So you would have the Steelers and Ben Roethlisberger hosting the Titans and Marcus Mariota. You would have the Kansas City Chiefs and Alex Smith hosting the Patriots and Tom Brady. So in the Steelers-Titans game, assuming he's healthy, I think Ben Roethlisberger is better than Marcus Mariota, even though certainly there is potentially a uh, passing of the guard there at some point in time. is only 24. Roethlisberger is whatever he is, 34, 35 years old, I think. Uh, so the Steelers would win that game, I believe, in Pittsburgh. Although we'll get an easy test on this game in about two weeks, a Thursday night football game, is the Steelers host the Titans. So we'll see. I believe that's two weeks from today or maybe three weeks from today or three weeks from yesterday. And then the Chiefs would be hosting the Patriots. Tom Brady is better than Alex Smith. Patriots would win, and then the Steelers would be hosting the Patriots in the AFC title game. Would be my prediction, and I think the Patriots would win that game. So that would be the AFC. I'll give you the NFC here in a sec. But as you start to look through this, starts to make total sense, right? All you got to know is know who the quarterback is. That would lead to a Steelers-Patriots AFC title game with the Patriots advancing to win uh, to a, the Super Bowl as the AFC's representative. Be sure
1: to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio
3: app. Uh, wanted to break down uh, the NFC as well here. We're going to be joined by John Campbell momentarily from Odd Shark. Set in the AFC right now, if you look at the playoff picture, we're going to end up with Steelers, Patriots. I think the Patriots go. Number one overall seed right now in the NFC would be the Eagles. Number two would be the Vikings. Both those teams would get bye weeks. And then your three seed would be the Saints. Your six would be the Panthers. I don't think there's anybody out there right now that would take anything other than Drew Brees and the Saints to win that game. Your four seed would be Seattle. Your five seed would be the Rams right now in the NFC. Certainly the way Seattle's playing with that brand-new left tackle to protect Russell Wilson even better, I think most people out there would say Seattle is better uh, at the quarterback position with Russell Wilson than the Rams are with Jared Goff. So your final four in the NFC would be Eagles and uh, the Seattle Seahawks and the Vikings going up against the Saints. I think the Saints and Drew Brees would beat whatever the Vikings have at the quarterback position, so the Saints would advance. Sorry, Vikings fans, it would be a replay of the NFC title game a few years ago, except you'd be playing at home and lose. Uh, And then you'd have the Eagles going up against the Seahawks. I think right now the way Carson Wentz is winning, you would have the Eagles against the Saints. And right now Carson Wentz is playing like the best quarterback in the NFL. I think you'd end up with an Eagles-Patriots playoff, although certainly it would not shock me if the Saints won that game either. So you'd have Eagles-Patriots, and then uh, we'll see what happens with that one. If that's if you were looking at the playoffs right now and, in my opinion, just picking the best quarterback in every single game.
1: Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific.
3: I said it would have been playing uh, chestnut checkers after the injury with the Houston Texans. Remember last week I said Bob McNair was unfairly treated by the media because he said the inmates run the prison instead of the inmates run the asylum. Bob McNair is the Houston Texans' owner and their inability to understand idioms led to uh, somebody, uh, the entire team basically taking a knee before the game against the Seahawks. And honestly, that may have been the best game of the year in the NFL between Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson until Bill O'Brien decided to run the ball three straight times into the center of the line instead of letting Deshaun Watson win that game. Well, now with Deshaun Watson out, my immediate thought was, you know what? This guy, Bob McNair, could go from racist pariah to NAACP Man of the Year if he signed Colin Kaepernick. Would have been an unbelievable move by him to just pull a complete left turn, and then all of a sudden the same people who were ripping him for saying inmates run the prison would have been out there saying he was deserving of the Nobel Prize. He probably would have won the NAACP Man of the Year. Instead, he's gone and he signed Matt McGloin, and Matt McGloin, of course, was the backup for the Raiders last year, previously played at Penn State. Uh, for Bill O'Brien, so they're somewhat familiar with him. So he now is the backup for Tom Savage, who has had his own injury issues. So there's probably a decent chance that he will get into the game uh, but, and into the season before long for the Texans, the way things are breaking down. But uh, what I think is uh, is fascinating about this is Every time a play, a quarterback gets hurt, everybody says, oh, what about Colin Kaepernick? And then eventually it devolves into political discussion because Colin Kaepernick has become so highly politicized that if you mention his name within a tweet or two on social media, it immediately moves from his quarterback play, if it even takes a tweet or two, to the larger political uh, status of his statement about the national anthem, of his protest, and then shortly thereafter, everything turns into Donald Trump. In fact... You really can't even go on social media these days and say anything without Donald Trump being mentioned within like five tweets. It doesn't matter what the topic is. Like I've been obsessed. Have you guys seen this story about them finding a new chamber potentially in the uh, in the biggest pyramid in Egypt? I mean, it's an unbelievable story. They they think they have found a new undiscovered chamber. I'm not making this up. In a basically five thousand year old pyramid. Uh, The Great Pyramid of Giza, I would love to go down and see the pyramids at some point until they get torn down because they were built with slave labor. That's what we do now, right? Uh, Anything involving slaves, we go ahead and we have to tear it down. Uh, But until it gets torn down because it was built with slave labor, I can't wait to see these pyramids. And they found a brand new room in them. And so I'm tweeting about this brand new room. And, and how excited I am. And I go on Twitter and I put a link and I'm like, man, this is a fascinating story. Within three or four tweets, somebody's talking about Donald Trump. And so, as a result of everybody going crazy on social media and Jamel Hill coming out and calling the president uh, a white supremacist and everybody at p- political at MS ESPN, by the way, one bit of news as Fox Sports Radio continues to kick the crap out of ESPN, Bamani Jones is losing his radio show because we've been adding so many affiliates and they've been losing so many. Bamani Jones has the least successful national radio show in the history of radio. He's lost 90 affiliates. That's almost impossible to do. And they can't sell any ads for it. And so as a result, Fox Sports Radio just continues to kick ESPN's ass and they're pulling Bamani Jones' radio show off the network. And one reason that they're doing that is because ESPN's gone so political. And they have this new policy in place. Um, and what's amazing about it. Is that this new policy basically at MSESPN says that their talent can no longer mention uh, politics at all, and that just came out today. Uh, sorry, yesterday, yesterday afternoon. And then this uh, this Sarah Spain who has me blocked on Twitter, I can't even see it, but she immediately takes a shot at Donald Trump that has nothing at all to do with politics. Jason Martin, do you have that tweet in front of you? Yeah, I do. What is? Well, I don't. I can't see it. So what does she say? like well, basically Donald retweets. Trump got his account suspended for 11 minutes by a uh, a Twitter user right and then she said hero right yeah that was all she said she retweeted twitter government that we're basically talking about him being deactivated due to human error account down for 11 minutes it's been restored they're continuing to investigate and then they say through our investigation we've learned this was done by a twitter customer support employee who did this on the employee's last day we're still conducting a full internal review And she just, quote, tweets the last thing that I just read to you and just writes Hero. That was her tweet. So she's already violated the policy. So ESPN says, hey, guys, just stay out of politics. We're a sports network. If there's no politics involved at all, then don't get involved in anything having to do with Donald Trump or anybody else on your private social media accounts because that reflects upon ESPN. And then literally this queen of the SGWs out there uh, this, uh, this this chick decides that she's got to insult Donald Trump. It's unbelievable. ESPN has got such a absurdly bad problem going on right now with their decision to turn everything into a story about Donald Trump and turn non-sports stories political. And they come out with this new policy, and they're like, guys, we got it solved. We got it fixed. We're not going to have issues with this anymore. And then, bang, Sarah Spain who doesn't have any impact and doesn't move the needle and doesn't have any significant gain at all for ESPN by employing her goes out and just alienates half the American public immediately with her stupid tweet. God bless MS ESPN. They're making me so much money with their stupidity. God, sometimes I think, man, how are they so dumb? And then I think, well, I hope they stay so dumb and they are and they will.
1: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app.
3: The Bills ain't for real. In case you actually believed they were for real, I'm sorry, upstate New York, western New York, wherever you are in Bills Nation, the Jets get to 4-5, and whip the Bills, get up 34-7, absolutely dominate them. Uh, The Bills would still be in the playoffs right now, which I think speaks to how weak the AFC playoff picture is. They be in as the five seed right now. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the uh, the playoff situation and college football uh, as well with my guy Lance Taylor coming up uh, in about ten minutes here uh, on uh, Outkick the coverage. But as I look at the uh, and we're going to give you the gambling picks in hour three. We'll talk with Lance Taylor. We got a lot to get to. But as I look at the college football slate tomorrow, we've talked about a decent amount about the NFL slate uh, with John Campbell. Um, I, I'm really, I think, if I had to pick one game to watch tomorrow for college football, Oklahoma Oklahoma State, I think has to be everybody's pick because of bedlam. I'm on the over there, and so I think that's the game that everybody has to watch. But the one that I may be most intrigued by because I know what's going to happen in that game. Both teams are going to score a lot of points. I think the last team to have the ball probably is going to win. Uh, I I think Oklahoma is going to win because I have more faith in Baker Mayfield than anybody else on uh, the field there. Having said that, it would not shock me if Oklahoma State wins, but it's basically a playoff elimination game. Whoever loses Oklahoma, Oklahoma State is out of the running, probably for the Big 12 title, although we'll wait and see, but certainly out of the running for the national championship game, I th- or the, the playoff. I think what's most interesting uh, on the slate in terms of a game that I have no idea what's going to happen in is Virginia Tech-Miami because I think Miami has snuck up on a lot of people. The Hurricanes, if they win this game, if Miami can win this game, they set up a great week of discussion because we'll have Catholics versus convicts part 15 or whatever it is with Notre Dame, who I think will still will win against Wake Forest this weekend and will move to 8-1, and one, going up against potentially 8-0 Miami. Even if Miami loses, it's still a big game. But if Miami wins, this is a massive game between Notre Dame and Miami. And what's fascinating about Miami is, look, they're 7-0 But if you look at their last four games, they're very fortunate to have won them all. And let me just kind of run through. They beat Georgia Tech by one point. They beat Syracuse by eight. They beat Miami by five. I mean, sorry, they beat North Carolina by five. And they beat Florida State by four. All of those teams combined that I just ran through in their last four games are combined 11 and 20. So they have four straight weeks narrowly won ACC games by a touchdown and a two-point conversion or less, eight points and less. They've won by five, by eight, by one, and by four in their last four. And so as a result, a lot of people, myself included, think Miami's a pretty decent team but aren't really sold on them. And Justin Fuente and what he has done at Virginia Tech, the Hokies are seven and one, and they're nearly a field goal favorite on the road against Miami. So... This is kind of an interesting question because I don't think most people are paying attention to Virginia Tech and believing that the Hokies are really legitimately in any way a threat to contend for the playoff picture. If they could go on the road and beat Miami, Virginia Tech's remaining schedule is not that brutal. And certainly, look, if Miami can get past Virginia Tech, they've got that massive game against Notre Dame. I don't even know that they would have to win that one if they beat Virginia Tech. And then they finish with Virginia and Pitt And they would be in the ACC title game probably playing for a decent chance at a spot in the playoff. Now, we haven't spent a lot of time talking about the playoff rankings that came out on Tuesday night because they came out on Tuesday night and that was also the night of Game 6. And then obviously we had Game 7 to talk about. You look at these playoff rankings. I think this year's college football playoff rankings have the potential to make an 8-game playoff a reality. And the reason why I think that's very possible is this is basically a worst-case scenario for the powers that be in college football because I think Alabama and Georgia are both going to get in. And if Alabama and Georgia both get in out of the SEC, then that is a first time that we've had two teams from the same conference get in. That's not ideal for the playoff because they want four different conferences to be represented in the four-team playoff. That's the ideal scenario. But even worse than two teams from the same conference getting in – is Notre Dame would get in and then steal away another spot. So right now Notre Dame is third. If they finish eleven and one, they're gonna get in. And if Notre Dame is getting in at eleven and one, there's no way you could leave out twelve and one Georgia because Georgia beat Notre Dame on the road head to head. So that would again guarantee that that Alabama would get in, that Georgia would get in, that Notre Dame would get in. And that leaves one spot. And right now Clemson is in that spot. But if you're a Big Ten fan, Ohio State and Penn State are out of that mix. And if you are an Oklahoma fan, Oklahoma's out of that mix. So if you're watching all these games happen right now, by the way, the Pac-12 is in really rough shape because they don't even have a top 10 team and really their only contender is Washington, who I don't think is going to win out. So I think the Pac-12 is basically nearly eliminated. Their only hope right now is Washington and Washington has to go 12 and 1 and have some things break in their favor. But This is setting up for a really kind of disastrous decision for the playoff committee because if they leave the Big Ten out and they leave the Big 12 out and the Pac-12 is not going to have a team that qualifies, there's going to be a lot of upset people across the nation because Big 12 and the Big Ten both have substantial fan bases. And what's crazy about that is it would effectively mean that that Ohio State-Oklahoma game didn't even matter. So I don't know what the full resolution of this situation is going to be in college football, but I do know that Oklahoma, Oklahoma State goes a long way towards giving us a resolution because if you're watching this and you are a fan, uh, even on the college football committee, or certainly if you're a Big Ten fan, you need Oklahoma State to win that game. If you are a Buckeye fan, you are not getting in the playoff unless Oklahoma also gets in or unless uh, that you finish 12-1 and and you're not jumping Oklahoma. So the Big Ten's playoff hopes in many ways rely on Oklahoma losing. Because twelve and one Oklahoma is getting in before twelve and one Ohio State. That's a little bit of a yikes moment. You also need Clemson to lose this weekend against NC State because twelve and one Clemson's going to get in as well in front of the Big Ten, and in front of the Big 12.
1: Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific.
3: Something that has not collapsed has been college football ratings, at least not so far. And Hannah Yates is doing a cool uh, tailgate tour for Outkick. You can see the videos that she produces up on Outkick.com every week. And this weekend, she and her crew are down uh, in Athens with the home loan expert, Hannah what are you looking forward to about being down in Athens for uh, the game against South Carolina?
4: Well, I've been to Sanford Stadium before to watch Mizzou play there while I was a student in Columbia, but Georgia wasn't playing remotely as well as they are now. So I feel like these fans are on top of the world with this season's performance, and I can't wait to capture that atmosphere.
3: If you haven't ever been to Athens, you said you've been. I think it's one of the best places in America to go watch a college football game. Athens, Georgia is just a uh, jewel of college towns across this, uh, this country. And uh, when you went down there, what did you think the first time that you went and got to sit in Sanford Stadium and watch a game? Did you find it as cool as I do?
4: Oh, I loved it. I think just the game between the hedges, it's fantastic. The, The setup that they have there, plus the campus and everything that they set up around the campus leading into the game, their campus is just so beautiful compared to some of the other SEC campuses that I've seen. And the stadium alone is just, it's fantastic. I loved it there.
3: Georgia is now the number one team in the college football playoff, according to the ratings uh, that came out from the committee on Tuesday. They are playing against a surprising South Carolina team that's 6-2. and two. Do you expect a close game or a blowout?
4: Uh, I don't expect it to be super close I hope it's not a blowout I mean the way they have it predicted it's going to be a pretty big difference but I mean Georgia's Georgia this season they're undefeated they're averaging 42 points per game since that one point escape at Notre Dame Um, but I don't know South Carolina it's not like they're an awful team you know they're second in the east but um, I think Georgia's going to have a solid chance of kind of tearing them apart a little bit
3: tell people what you're doing without kick this fall and uh, what your schedule kind of is the next few weeks
4: so basically we are going to head down um, this weekend and you guys can reach out to us that way and we can come and kind of check out some of these tailgates and really just capture The culture of this school will also be covering South Carolina this weekend since we can't make it to their home turf this season. Uh, Next weekend, we'll be headed to the Grove at Ole Miss, which I'm super excited about because I've never been there. So only heard stories. And then our last weekend, we are ending at uh, Vanderbilt in Nashville. So your home turf uh, there where you're located now. And we're just excited about it. We've already knocked out 10 schools and looking forward to the rest
3: uh hannah yates you can follow her on twitter at hannah ray yates you can also find her if you just go to my twitter feed and scroll down a little bit if you guys want to give her tips if you're going to be in the grove if you're going to be in nashville or if you're going to be in athens and you want the outkick crew to swing by and say hi to you you can do that thanks hannah
4: thanks clay appreciate it
3: that's hannah ray yates hannah yates is going to be on the road with us they've been doing a good job with the tailgate tour for OutKick and the Home Loan Expert. You can go watch all those videos that are up on OutKick.com. All right, circling back around now, like I said, college football ratings have not been bad, but the NFL ratings have been tanking. And one of the interesting things is the executives in this article in the Wall Street Journal in particular, they they are citing the fact that there are too many games, that these Thursday night NFL games are starting to cannibalize the overall audience. Now, uh, that is intriguing in and of itself because I do feel that a little bit myself because the games start on Thursday, then you got Friday college football games, Saturday all day college football, then you got Sunday all day NFL, then you come back with Monday night football. There are five straight days of football, and so by Tuesday I'm like, man, I'm glad to have a break. And you only have two days, and really I'm not counting the Mac, but the Mac will play on any day of the week. But you only have two days of the week, Tuesday and Wednesday, where you don't play football games. And so I'm curious for you guys, it's now an unquestioned answer that people are watching less of the NFL. Why are you not watching? We opened up the phone lines. Who should we go to first, Jason Martin? Let's go to Cincinnati and talk to Mike. Mike in Cincinnati, Uh, are you watching less, and if so, why?
5: Yes. Uh, Microcosm last weekend. We had uh, Notre Dame and North Carolina State, and we had uh, Ohio State and Penn State on Saturday night. Super exciting game. Then I had the worst football imaginable with Cincinnati and Indianapolis in the rain on Sunday. I can't watch the product, and not only that, I have joined the bandwagon of people protesting, people like Michael Bennett Kaepernick. I don't care about their social views, and these idiots seem to be inclined to tell us more about them. When they ask about my views, then they can tell me about theirs. Otherwise, their product is unwatchable, and it all looks the same. There's no team that looks different than another. to speak of, and it's dreadful to watch after the excitement of college football.
3: Yeah, you're with me. I, I agree with you, Mike. The college football product, just on the field, let's leave aside the player personal beliefs. The college football product is more entertaining. Do you agree with me on that?
5: 100%. The entire thing is. And the pageantry of it is fun. The rivalries are fun. I mean, they're intersectional things. The teams travel better. I mean, look at the Georgia-Notre Dame game. I'm a Notre Dame alum, but look how many of those people came and what a great time they had. And you're talking about all these SEC schools. I, I would love to go to an SEC game sometime just because it's a fun environment. There's nothing fun about Paul Brown Stadium or going to Indy to watch a crummy team. There's so many bad teams in the NFL that aren't worth the ticket prices and you know $100 parking fees in L.A. You've got to be kidding.
3: No, it's a great call. Look, I watched the, uh, the Seahawks and the Texans game, and it was a great game. And why was it so good? Because it felt like a college game, frankly. The college product is a lot better in terms of enjoyment, I think, right now than the NFL product is. Uh, Nate in Dayton. What's up, Nate?
5: Hey, Clay. How you doing, man? Uh, I really liked you on uh, the Rubin Report last week. That was very nice. I uh, appreciate
3: um, that. That was a good trip. But,
5: yeah, man. Uh, I think it's the overall product. Um, mm-hmm. Much like you, I don't. the protests don't bother me. I don't really go to athletes for my moral compass, um, but... I just, you know, you don't know what a catch is. There's too many penalties, too many commercial breaks. And it's just it's just a weird product now.
3: Yeah, I appreciate the call. I mean, it, look, I mean, there's a lot of bad quarterbacking. And, and I think that's made the NFL product often unwatchable. And obviously injuries to guys like Aaron Rodgers and Deshaun Watson aren't helping that. Alex in North Carolina, what's up, Alex?
1: Good morning. Thanks for having me, Clay. I would say that one confounding variable that's not being considered is that there's a little bit of public disgust about just the nature of football in general. So I think not for the fairweather fan, for the devoted fan, the flag issue is polarizing, and you may get less or more viewership. But I think for the fairweather fan or just the average um, not-devoted fan, there's some decline in interest in football in general and maybe a little bit of disgust at the rate of injury. In the recent report about, I think it was 98 or 99% of the brains studied uh, of passed away NFL players had symptoms of um, traumatic brain injury or, I guess, uh, whatever.
3: Yeah, no, CTE. Yeah, yeah. No, I appreciate the call. Look, I, I, I go ahead and load up these phone lines. I'm going to take one more call. But actually, you know what? we got a hard out, so I'm going to say this instead. I will say if I owned an NFL team right now, I would sell. And the reason why I would sell is because of the call we just got. I think that there is a long-range trajectory that is very negative for football. And there are so many people in this country who believe that because something always has been in their lives, it's going to continue forever. But I love to point this out. If I'd been doing Sports Talk Radio in the 1950s, I would have come on and said, the three biggest sports in America today are baseball, horse racing, and boxing, and they'll always be the three biggest sports in America. Well, other than a Triple Crown race, maybe some drinking and some gambling, nobody pays attention to horse racing. Boxing has virtually... Vanished in this country unless you end up putting an MMA fighter in against a actual fighter. Baseball has also declined. Right now, the NFL sits at the top at the apex of American sports, but the idea that it's always going to be there is absurd. Don't believe me? Look at how quick creative destruction in this country is occurring. Go ask the guys at MySpace what they think about Facebook. Go ask the crew out there at ESPN what they think about their business collapsing. Things change in a hurry right now in America.
1: Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. Guess who's back? It's time. A.K.A. Mr. It Rain on the For Clay Travis to make us rich. I'm rich. Including the legendary, famous, well-known talk of the town most celebrated.
0: I'd buy that for a dollar.
1: Blood. Bank.
3: Guaranteed. We're going 11-0, boys and girls, starting on on Friday night. FAU minus 7.5 tonight against Marshall. Take the Fighting Lane Kiffins. Memphis at Tulsa. Take Memphis minus 12. Ole Miss at Kentucky. The over 62, 63, wherever it is. Ohio State at Iowa. I love Iowa plus 18 in this game. Way too high. Western Kentucky plus 9.5 at Vanderbilt. Texas plus seven at TCU. I think Tom Herman finally gets a signature win after three straight tough losses against big-time top ten opponents. Lost by U- lost to USC by three in overtime. Oklahoma by five. Oklahoma State by three. South Carolina at Georgia, the Bulldogs and the over. And I'm on Virginia Tech to beat Miami and in their undefeated streak and the blood bank guarantee, boys and girls. Mizzou is going to whip the crap out of Florida this weekend in Columbia. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, the over 75. That is the gambling picks this week. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need
1: parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability